Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Has anybody ever felt really alone? I think everybody. Come on, don't lie. Really, like, seriously, alone. Alone. Everybody. Oh my gosh, right? You guys know what our theme is for the month? Yeah, you're not alone. Guess what? It's a truth. It's a fact. Just because you feel or interpret your situation as being lonely or alone does not make it so. However, you have the opportunity and the power to make it so if you so choose. Because God is not a God who's going to smother you, right? Another side story with our baby. Her brothers love her to death. But Chandler, our four-year-old, thinks that loving her means like laying on top of her and like squeezing her. And I'm like, dude. Give her space. You're going to suffocate the girl, right? Like, like that's not quite how God is with us. He's not going to be like, you don't want this, but I'm on top of you. God's like, right here, this last song we sang is, come to me. I'm all you need. What is God asking you to do? Come to me. It takes you going after God and receiving the partnership that you have. But I want to talk to you tonight about two dudes who had a really lonely experience while in the very presence of Jesus Christ, okay? Because how many of you would like the idea of Jesus Christ hanging out with you every day? The Jesus in the flesh, the deal. Would you ever feel lonely? Yeah, well, guess what? These two did, and they spent three years with him night and day, every single day, and experienced desperate loneliness. Can anybody tell me who they are? Anybody know? Okay, good. This means it's a new story for everybody, okay? So basically, it's in John 13. I'm not going to read all of it because it's like a whole chapter and a half, but I'm going to summarize, okay? You guys know what Jesus did the last day with his disciples? The last night? What do we call it? Yes, the last supper, right? He, he gathers together with his dudes, okay? Twelve dudes, right? Twelve dudes. Sorry, girls. They were dudes, okay? But, you know, besties. We could call him that. I don't know if it connects better, right? Jesus gathers, and it wasn't like, oh, we're going to have this special meal right before Jesus goes and dies on the cross, right? It was Passover. They were Jews. They were celebrating the Passover feast, which was celebrating what? Do you know? What? When God passed over Egypt because the blood of the lamb was on the doorposts of all the Jews, and the angel of death came through all of Egypt, right? And he passed over all the houses that had the blood of the lamb on them. How flipping amazing is it that Jesus celebrates the Passover meal the night before he goes to the cross to spread the blood of the lamb over our lives so the angel of death passes over us forever. (laughs) Is that cool? And it's crazy, right? So this is all happening. They get together for Passover dinner. If you guys are like, what just happened? It's crazy. It was on purpose. God set the whole Passover thing up as a picture of what Christ was to come to do. To save those who belong to him, covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Are you with me? His blood shed covers our lives. When we receive it, they had to go paint the blood on the doorposts. They had to do something. Are you with me? Yes? We have to receive the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. It doesn't just happen to us. It's got to be taken. But it's available come to me. Got it? So Jesus is doing Passover with his disciples. 
And he's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do something really cool right now. Jesus, the Son of God, gets down on the floor with all 12 of his disciples and does what to them? Washes their feet, right? He puts a towel around his waist, gets down on the ground. Ew. I've smelled some of your feet in the gaga pit. Right? That's why we moved it, because that carpet is, like, forever soiled. I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, like, seriously, Jesus got down, and these guys wore sandals in the dirt, no pavement. All day, yeah, I know, right? How many of you have gone, like, out in the dirt in sand flip-flops for an entire day? Creation, if you have been there? Your feet are foul. The beach is all, sand isn't as dirty, right? But it's gross, okay? So these guys are gross. Jesus gets down, washes their feet, does the most amazing thing, right, in this place. And then he sits down to the meal with them, and he's like, all right, guys, so I'm going to be going away. And none of them understood. They were kind of idiots, I love Jesus' disciples because, like, they were really great men who were undiscovered till Jesus really, till the, really till the Holy Spirit came. They were just like these great men who were not living up to their ability, even the three years they lived. And I heard this brilliant, beautiful statement that Bill Johnson said at the conference, I think it was Bill, that said, Jesus' disciples belonged before they believed. He called his 12 disciples and said, I want you to be mine, my disciples. You belong to me, the Son of God, and you don't even know who I am, and you don't even believe it if you did knew. If if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And we see it all the way through. The disciples were like, so who's going to be the greatest of all of us? And Jesus is like, you don't get it, right? But they still belonged to the Son of God. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I really, I want to tell every single one of you the very fact that you're sitting here in this place is you belong to us. You can never, ever, ever go anywhere in the world at any point in the rest of your life and say, I don't belong anywhere. You get your butt back right here if you feel that way and say, hey, I don't feel like I belong anywhere because you belong here. Straight up. Whether you believe what we say or not, if you're sitting here going, these people are psycho, you belong here. Do you understand? Even if you don't believe us. If you do believe us, great, you belong too. But that is such a great reality that Jesus pulled in 12 disciples that all the way up to the end did not fully get it. Just at the very end, a couple of them started to go, oh, you are the son of God. It's like three years with him. You're like, are you kidding me? But like Jesus goes and now he's saying, I'm going away. And his disciples are like, kind of like, what is going on? And you know, and Jesus is telling about the fact that he's going to go die. And they can't possibly fathom that because they're kind of like, we've seen you do like what you did to the sea. And we've seen what you took all the demons out of the guy and you sent them into the pigs and made the pigs run off the cliff into the ocean. That's a cool story, right? You remember that? It's one of my favorites. Anyway, it's just, I don't know why. It's just crazy, right? So his disciples are like in this place. And then Jesus goes, one of you is going to betray me tonight. It's like, ooh, real downer on the cool meal, right? It's like one of you, my besties, is going to betray me to the enemy tonight. You're like, what do you do if you're sitting there right there, right? And so Jesus says, the one who I hand this bread to is the one who's going to betray me. Can you imagine the tension in the room? Right, they are starting to get that this guy's powerful. And Jesus takes the bread, rips it, dips it in the bowl, and hands it to who? Judas. Judas, you can imagine. Uh, Right? How the heck? Because this has already been pre-planned. He's already talked to the Pharisees, and they've already promised to give him 30 pieces of silver if they turn over Jesus to them. And he's sitting there, and Jesus goes, one of you is going to betray me. You're like, 
I mean, like, can you imagine? And it says right then, Judas gets up and he leaves. You're like, you're an idiot. He just called you out, read your mail. You could have turned right then and been like, wow, I got deceived. But no, he got up and left, and it was kind of all part of the beauty of the whole thing, kind of. And it's so, like, crazy how God uses messed up situations to do incredibly important things in history. Got it? How many of you have ever had a messed up situation? God works all things together for the good of those who love him, right? So crazy. Stuff will work together that does not make any sense. Your mom dies of cancer, and you just go like, what the heck? How's God going to use this? I don't know yet, but all things work together for good. In the end, your story's not done if it's not good. That's good, right? Whoo! Got it? So Judas gets called out, and he leaves, because guess what he's going to do? Collect his money. Right? He's like, well, Jesus knows now. I might as well just leave, right? Gets out of there, goes to the Pharisees. They give him his money. He leads them to where Jesus was later that night, right? But the next guy that Jesus uh, starts doing is he's like, I'm going away, and where I go, you can't come with me. And Peter goes, oh, I want to go with you. Anywhere you go, I'll go. And Jesus says, no, you really won't. You're actually going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tonight. Like, Jesus, be nice for once, right? Like, He's like two in a row. He's like, Judas, you're going to betray me. Peter, you're going to disown me and act like you don't even know me three times tonight. And Peter goes, no, never. Jesus says, okay, see how this goes, right? Take two men right now who spent three years with Jesus, day and night, night and day, watched and witnessed every miracle. What do you feel they felt that night as they walked away from that meal? What? disowned, lonely, right? What we're talking about this month, these two men were utterly and bitterly alone because they walked away from a situation in the greatest potential relationship that they could have ever imagined and walked in to follow out and carry out what was something rooted deep in their heart. Do I have you like totally confused now? Yes. But here's what I want to tell you, okay? Jesus goes on in the same passage and says a little bit later, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus is like, this is right after this. and I, Oh, this is funny because right after he calls out Peter, his next phrase was, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? But Jesus is like, no, it's going to be okay. It's all good, right? And as you know, the story goes, Jesus promises, I'm going to go to the Father and it's going to be better yet. And he says, I'm going to send you the the Holy Spirit to come and be with you. And what I want to do to just address Peter and Judas right now is look at the opportunity they had. They both totally screwed up. Judas really did betray Jesus into the hands of the Pharisees and, and took him to the cross, right? Peter really did that night as Jesus was being crucified. Three different people came by and said, aren't you one of his followers? Weren't you with him? And Peter's like, no, I never knew him. Three times, and then the rooster crows on the third one. That freaked you out. Right as as he does the third time, no, I didn't even know him. You're like, oh, crap, right? What do you do then, right? But listen, both of them had moments where Judas, even when he got the silver and realized how wrong it was what he was doing he threw it back at the pharisees and tried to refuse it but by then it was too late okay but he didn't turn back 
in repentance. He didn't turn to Jesus. He didn't come out of a lonely place and come back to relationship with God. He went out by himself, stayed alone, hung himself, and it says as he hung himself from the tree, his guts fell out all over the ground. It's in the Bible. I know. You're like, that's not G-rated. No, the Bible's not. It's pretty gruesome, okay? It says his guts spilled out on the ground because he went, he felt lonely, he acted lonely, he believed the lie, and he followed the lie into loneliness. Peter rejected Jesus three times. He realized what he did, and he went back to relationship, and he said, I'm sorry for what I've done. I have, this is like, and he pulled back into relationship, realized he's not alone, and that he can be restored. Do you follow? And Peter ends up being the dude who at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit falls, that Jesus promised is that anyone who believes in me will do all the things I've done and greater things. Pentecost, when Holy Spirit comes, like Jesus promised was going to happen when he left, Peter's the guy who preaches the sermon and thousands of people get saved. Same dude. Peter's also the guy who went and spread the gospel all the way through the Jewish world and all this. And, and he was the guy who would walk along through cities and crippled people would drag themselves out in the street so that Peter's shadow would fall across them and they'd get healed. Yeah. People, this would happen, right? Peter would just walk, right? And people would just, his shadow would touch them. How cool is that? And they'd get healed and stand up and walk after being crippled for like does that freak your brain out at all? The same Peter who denied Jesus three times experienced utter loneliness as he parted ways from relationship with God. Sorry, I kicked you. I'm my bad. Anyway, I'm like stepping on people. I get really excited, okay? Peter turned back to relationship and said, no, I am not alone. God is with me. God is for me. And Jesus said, if I believe that I will even do greater things, then he will send his Counselor, okay, this is the next thing. It's like the end of that same chapter. It says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. In Acts chapter 1, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive, anybody know? Power from on high. How many of you, that sounds good? How many of you are like, no, I'm good. Power, I don't need it. Don't want it. Yeah, right, Trent. You're totally like tough, man. How about power added to your tough? Right? How about that, Trenton? Yeah, dude, back, double backflip. Right? Come on. Seriously, think about this, guys. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power from on high. And you will do even greater things than Jesus did. Not, oh, this is kind of like Jesus' miracles, but kind of watered down and lame. Jesus was like, no, 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 it's better if I go away because if the Holy Spirit comes, that's going to be cool. The Son of God said this. Better yet. And I love this little dynamic, okay? How many of you have pastors that you've heard sermons and they start talking about the original Greek word and the Hebrew word and you're like, not a clue. I know, sometimes it's hard to track. Follow me on one word, okay? It says right there, it says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, right? God is sending the Holy Spirit as your counselor, as your guide. The Greek word, here it goes, is the paraclete. Not a parakeet. Paraclete. Okay? Or parakletos. 
Okay? Parakletos means helper, assistant, or associate. It's where we get the word parachute. You're in a whole lot better situation if you jump out of a plane with a parachute than if you jump out without one. It's your helper. It's your assistant, right? How many? We don't have any lawyers in here, but lawyers have what? What, are, what do they have that's like their assistant? What are they called? Paralegal. Yeah, whoa, right? Do you get it? You start lining up all these different para this, para that. Okay, I can't think of other ones. I don't know why it's a parakeet. What? Paramedic. You really want one of those if you're dying. Got it? So I really like, shh, listen, I know. Once you're just kind of like, why did you even tell us that? Ben? Because it does, it gives you a little bigger picture. If you hone in on it and you hear Charles say something like that, and you're kind of like, I don't really get it. Just dig in and go, what is he saying? Because God's word in even the original language gives such a great breadth to the things that we understand. Because we in America, this is the most common one you hear. Use the word love. Right? In Greek, they have three words or more, three primary ones. What? Do you know more? Oh, I saw Hannah like respond. She's really sharp and knows this stuff. Oh, yeah. No, but it's like you got um, eros, phileo, and agape, love. Those are three different words that we just call love in general, and they mean incredibly different things. So that's the beauty once in a while. If a pastor brings one of those words out, don't be like, that's crazy, I can't follow, okay? Dig in and go like, there could be something to that, because if the pastor brings it up, it probably does add something. Do you look at it now and go like, the Holy Spirit's kind of like my parachute through life. How many of you ever feel like you're free falling? Would a parachute help a little bit to know that it's on your back? How many of you want to go skydiving without a parachute? Liars. I know. I'm finding everyone will laugh if I raise my hand. No. You not see you next week. Okay? That's the reality. You're done. If you jump out of an airplane with a parachute, who wants to skydive someday? Serious. How many of those, how many of you would just like be terrified if your parachute fell off as you left the plane? You're done. You'd be like, Spread out your t-shirt like a squirrel suit. Be like, ah, right? Do you follow? Is this making any sense? Listen, you're crazy. Listen, you are crazy to try to go through life and survive without a paraclete. I know, it's a funny word, but that's just what it is. I can't change it. That would be like heresy or something, right? Okay, shh, focus. Judas went about his business without a helper, without relationship. He found himself in isolation. He found himself feeling alone. Was he really alone? No, but he felt alone, and then he bought into the lie that he was alone, that the enemy was going, you are alone. No one loves you. Jesus won't forgive you. You went too far this time, buddy. Go hang yourself on a tree. And he said, yeah, you're right. And he was, listen, And he experienced aloneness because he chose to. He chose to be alone in that moment. Peter realized what happened, saw the breakage in relationship, in covenant, and all the things that Jesus had done. And he said, this is not what I'm called to. 
And he walked back to relationship and repented, thought different, lived different, walked different, got on his face and said, God, I'm done with that. No way. He refused to believe the lie that he was too far gone and too alone for God to love him. And he became the apostle to the generations to the generations. And even if you look at the Catholic Church today and you look at their whole history, the Pope was here last week or whatever. How many of you have no idea what that really means? I don't really either. But essentially, the Catholic Church believes in the apostleship of Peter being handed down generation to generation to generation. And that is who the Pope is today, is the handed down apostleship of Peter, the apostle who denied Jesus three times. But he came back to relationship. And now the Pope is the most sought after in the entire Roman Catholic world. He is the dude. And he's the handed down anointing of Apostle Peter who came back to a relationship with God and wouldn't believe the lie that he was alone. Stand up. Oh, that's crazy. Wild. Oh, Lance Wall now. Yeah. It's okay. Come up closer a little bit. Not too close. I always do that. Okay. Shh. Afterwards. Tell me afterwards. Tell me afterwards. Okay. Shh. Give me, give me 30 seconds. I know you guys are like, I'm done. I'm so done. It's only 825, guys. We're early. Yay. I, shh. Okay. Give me a second. Give me a second. Close your eyes. Don't talk to anybody for a minute. Guys, close your eyes. I want you to picture right now a time that you felt alone. It might be in the last day. It might be in the last week. Somewhere in the last month, maybe you walked into this room tonight and were like, I am so alone. Nobody wants me. Nobody knows me. And I want to say to you, in every situation like that, the enemy is feeding you a a line of lies that just says, you're not alone. No one loves you. No one wants to know you. No one wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus doesn't even love you. Why would you even come to church? You guys have probably all at some point in your life heard these lies in the back of your head, like these thoughts that go through your head, and you're like, oh, yeah, and you can easily, it's so easy, guys, to fall into that belief system that, yeah, I guess I am alone. No one really talked to me when I went there, and no one really likes me, I guess, and I'm just weird, I guess. I don't know. And the enemy goes, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you are a loser. No one wants to talk to you. Come on, you've heard these lies in your mind before. Every person in this room has heard them. It's the same words, the same spirit that the enemy was speaking to Judas and speaking to Peter in that moment when, you blew it, buddy. Are you a total idiot? You just denied and you totally, what's the other word? What did Judas do? Betrayed. I just lost the word, okay? Betrayed the son of God. You are a loser and nobody wants you back. Those disciples think you're an idiot too and they'll never take you back. You don't think those thoughts were going through those, their minds as they walked away from that dinner that night going, I'm out, man. What have I done? Where am I? All by myself. But the radical difference that happened there is Peter said, no, I've spent three years with this guy and I know this is not his heart. I know he'll take me back because I've seen the way he is. I've seen the love he has. I've seen it in his eyes as he speaks to prostitutes and and drug dealers and tax collectors and these awful evil people in the culture. There's something in those eyes that will always take me back. 
Peter knew that. He saw that. And he went for it. He said, God, I want back in. I want relationship. I won't be alone. I will not stand here by myself. And Jesus didn't didn't just take him back. He sent him the Holy Spirit, the parachute for his life. And that parachute carried him not only safely, but powerfully through the rest of his life. Establishing churches, showing how great and powerful and mighty God was and writing part of the Bible that we read today and displaying God's amazing excellence everywhere he went. God, we thank you that you take us back. No matter how far we've strayed away, no matter what we've done this week, today, tonight, this year, you welcome us back with open arms. You don't even go, well, let's see how you do for the next week, and then we'll talk about it. Jesus' arms are already wide open saying, come on back. Come to me. I am all you need. He's really all you need. If you feel alone, draw close to the Father, draw close to the Son and the Holy Spirit and experience what it means to belong and to be loved. You are never alone when you choose to be in relationship. Come on, put your hands up. Just say, God, I don't want to be alone. So I receive your acceptance. I pursue you with my heart, with my life, with the way I think. And Satan, you cannot put lies in my mind because I will rebuke you and say, get out, you liar. Love that stuff. Come on. Jesus Thank you that you've given me power by your Holy Spirit because of relationship to take authority over the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name, I am not alone. Amen. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.